I believe the church today is missing its target. Find out how on this episode of Pushback. about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pushback. I'm Dr. Johnny, and it is my pleasure to uh, talk to you each and every week about topics that are concerning, especially our culture and our family. And today I want to talk about the church I mentioned early in my podcast that I am an equal opportunity pushbacker. There are plenty of things going on in our culture right now that requires us to push back. And and hopefully for those who have listened to me regularly can appreciate my passion for our culture and and how we are supposed to be instrumental in in creating culture, not just being subject to the culture. Uh, But today I want to talk about the church because as I said earlier, I don't believe that the church has done things perfectly either or are doing things perfectly. And I believe that that we can target even how we, quote unquote, do church uh, so that we are actually pointing at the right target, like what church is for and why we are doing it and participating in it and, and what is church and, and, and what is its role in our culture. I think we're in a real unique opportunity. I think when something like a COVID pandemic actually uh, literally infects our culture, it's, it's it's a time for people to really be aware of their own mortality, isn't it? We, we actually become more introspective about who we are and why we're here on this earth and, and really how fragile life is. And, and, and we think about even like 9-11 and the, the events that took place. Shortly thereafter, there was the most converts back to church f- that happened after quite some time in history. And the reason is that people were somewhat afraid, uh, somewhat aware of their own mortality, somewhat uh, shaken out of their complacency and out of their slumber and their uh, comatose states as they're drifting through lives because these things shake us up. Well, 2020 has been a year of being shaken up, and I and I believe that it's it should not go void. I, I believe this is a tremendous opportunity for we as believers and as the church to do what we were called to do, and that's to real really minister to those who are hurting, maybe even those who are somewhat afraid of what's happening in our society, and bring real answers. We are the light of the world, and we are supposed to arise and shine, not arise and reflect. We don't reflect what the culture is doing. We are actually the ones that are supposed to be the light here into this culture. And so we have people that are looking for freedom. You know, I think of and and was really have been drawn to the prodigal son story. I use it a lot in, in my messages because I believe that the prodigal son story isn't so much about the son. It's really about the father and that he is in a, a partying mood because he has his kids back. 
And that's really what the story is about. The kingdom of heaven is like this father who stands and sees his son far off returning home and he runs to him and he restores his identity. It's one of the most beautiful parables spoken by Jesus because it explains the heart of his daddy God that sent him to this earth to come and get us. And the prodigal son uh, is, is a great also example of, of those in our culture who have seen sin and, and immoral living as normal. And, and they have gone out into this world hoping it will offer something for their pain and, and the repeated disappointment when it can't. I often think about over and over again uh, the celebrities, you know, the the singers, the actors, the even professional football players, the people who are in the spotlight, and they and they have been working so hard to achieve something that the world can offer, and how devastating, how lonely it must be, story after story, of them achieving everything that this life can offer here on this earth. And it comes back void. It's not enough. There's still an emptiness. And so you see these documentaries about singers. And I just saw the movie Rocket Man about Elton John. And it's the same story that I've heard hundreds and thousands of times of these of these performers who get involved deeply into drugs and despair and and livacious living and and immorality and and they're looking for something even beyond what they've already achieved because they thought that that was going to to be the answer and when it's not the answer what an empty place that must be and so we see this and and they are the perfect examples of a prodigal who who has gone and and has spent everything that was theirs as an inheritance and now they have nothing they see it as nothing and they see the father's house and they're willing to become a slave in the father's home. And, and the father didn't change his environment so that the son would be enticed to come back. No, the father actually, actually created a culture that the son longed for when he had nothing. And we know the story where the son returns and says, I, you know, I will be a slave in my father's house. And the father had, would have nothing of it. He said, you're my son. And he puts a ring on his finger and a cloak on his back and he kills the fatted calf and he throws a party because his son was dead and now is alive. And, and it's, it's the story of us. It's the story of our life and the story of the loving father that receives us. And the goal is repentance. And the goal is an encounter that is what this world is after. The world is actually hung, hungry and is longing for real change, for real transformation that only comes through repentance. So, so there's a freedom that people are, are inquiring about, are wanting. And more than that, they're actually wanting an encounter with a real, tangible, supernatural God. My friends, people are hungry for it. They are hungry for it. In fact, in, in prep for this podcast, I actually went onto Google and, and searched, you know, paranormal TV shows. Because I've noticed even when I'm on call and I'm flipping through the channels that you go even to Discovery channels and half the shows are about paranormal activity. And there's a sadness connected to it, not only because that's not where life is, but people are searching. 
Their spirit is searching for something that's beyond their existence here on this earth, something that's that's beyond their 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 the darkness in which they live. There is a hunger for it. And so I began to look at paranormal TV shows. There's shows like Ghost Asylum and Ghost Stalkers and Mountain Monsters and Haunted Collector, uh, a show called Supernatural, a a show called Lucifer, a show called Damien, Reaper, Charmed, uh, one that's called A Discovery of Witches. And, and my friends, the list goes on and on. I actually got kind of tired of typing. I'm not a great typist anyway. So as I'm typing this, it went on and on and on. And there's a, there's a direct sadness because there is a desire for something beyond us. There, there is a longing, a looking for something else, something greater, something more, something beyond the darkness that we're living in. And it's, it comes from our spirit. Our spirit is actually calling out because we are connected to heaven. And so the world is offering people many choices. But here's the deal. It's the church that has the answer. But we have to know the target. And the target is repentance that brings real change and transformation and freedom and encounter which brings the reality of his kingdom. It's what people are hungry for. People are desperate for his face, for real impact, for real encounter, for real transformation. So because of that, as I I look at church today, and I look at the trend that is happening in churches today, and I'm concerned. I'm concerned about the culture that's in churches today because they are looking to to cater to people to come into the church as if the target is to get prodigals into the church. The target isn't to get prodigals into the church. The target is to, is to usher people into repentance and real encounter. That's what church is for. <laughs> That's what it's for. That's what it was created for. There's an article uh, by Chris Vallotton, who's a dynamic leader and speaker uh, at Bethel Church in Redding, California. And he wrote an article, Repentance Without Compromise. And it really connected with me this week and, and, and something that's been stirring in me because I, I hear the word, you know, seeker-friendly church. And, and now this is my podcast, so I can be opinionated and I, I'm not trying to have language that's destructive or, or critical to others, but but I, the seeker friendly what 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 they're looking to do, unfortunately, is to is to create a culture that's attractive to the prodigal, so that they don't have to really change, but will be comfortable here in the church, as if bringing people into the the building of the church is the target. It's not the target. The target is is repentance, which brings real transformation, and encounter, which brings the reality of the kingdom. And so because of that, I believe that the message of the kingdom does not need to be watered down, we don't need to dumb it down, and we don't need to calm it down. So let me go through each one of those. So firstly, we don't need to water it down. Most people, at least my age or older, probably have had parents that have watered the ketchup bottle down. 
maybe many of you can connect with that. Maybe it's still happening today. I don't know if it's so much of a thing anymore. But to make ketchup last a little longer, you add a little water to it, and then uh, you feel like you get a little bit more ketchup out of the deal. And whatever comes out after it's been watered down is sort of ketchup-like, but it's not really ketchup. It doesn't really accomplish its purpose. Well, I believe that bringing dilution to the the real impact and encounter with God is, is actually diluting or watering down what the church is actually created for. See, we don't need to make it look like the world. And we can't oversell his goodness. So let me read a few things that Chris Vallotton wrote in this article, which is very specifically about this. He wrote, sometimes in our love for people, we undermine the process of repentance by negotiating the terms of returning. We turn the farm into a brothel to entice the prodigals to come back home because we fear our holy standard is keeping them away. That's a big statement. It's a sobering statement. He goes on to say, Sometimes in our zeal we mistakenly believe the goal of God is to get prodigals to come back in the church building when in fact God's goal is repentance, to change their way of thinking, leading them to agree with the Father's noble lifestyle. He says, If we lose sight of truth, we will become like a social club, a nice place for people to gather. This is not love, but rather a cruel trap. As we leave people shackled to sin instead of providing a pathway to freedom. Those are big words, but they're important words and they're very profound. It's not for the church to look like what they're trying to escape from, but they're actually looking to be free from. See, people are hungry. They're hungry for that greater thing and we do not need to water it down. We need to bring it. We need to bring it in its authentic form, in its real form, because people are looking for real change. They're not looking for a continuation of the lifestyle that they're already in. They're looking for something that's bigger and more noble and sets them free. Number two is we don't need to dumb it down. Now, although we don't need to overcomplicate the gospel and and what is offered to us as children of God, and we are supposed to proceed with a very childlike faith, if we are leaders of a church, we can hit them between the eyes. (laughs) It's a call for real change without compromise. We do not need to dumb it down for people. They, they, they understand. People come understanding their internal conflict. They feel the difference between good and evil. They know the difference between right and wrong. <laughs> People get it. And what they want is freedom. They're looking for something real and authentic. And it doesn't have to be baby food. It doesn't have to be. We can give them the real good stuff and they will digest it and they will be able to eat it and they will mature quickly. I believe that's true for any age. I think so often in churches, we separate kids into the other room assuming that they just won't get it. In our experience, children get it. 
They understand the real authentic encounter of the Lord and they can encounter him at an early age and understand what is happening in their heart because they they too are spiritual being, beings and their spirits are, are calling out to be connected with a loving father that created them. It just makes sense. It's who we are. We are spirit. We don't need to water it down. We don't need to dumb it down and we don't need to calm it down. <laughs> okay, here we go. C.S. Lewis, I love in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, they're talking about Aslan, who's who's the G- representation of Jesus. And, and if you're familiar with The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the heroine of the story is Lucy Pevensey, and she is talking to Mr. and Mrs. Beaver in the land of Narnia. And they're talking about Aslan, the lion. And, and they're telling him that he is big, and he's ferocious, and he's mighty. And so Lucy says, then he isn't safe? And Mrs. Beaver says, safe? Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he is good. There is a lot in that statement written by C.S. Lewis. Of course he isn't safe, but he is good. At the end of the day, it's his goodness. It's his goodness that drives us to him rather than from him. Make no mistake about it. The Holy Spirit isn't always safe and he isn't always tame. And the big teeth can intimidate us unless we know that he's good. And then we like having those big teeth on our side. See, this is one of the hardest things for leaders, especially in churches, is to surrender to the Holy Spirit because he's, because, because we're afraid He isn't safe. See, my friends, seeker-friendly is about safety and comfort. And the point of this podcast is to tell you that he doesn't promise us safety or comfort. That's, That's not promised in the adventure of living in his kingdom. He promises us joy. He promises us victory. He promises us forward motion. But it doesn't mean that it'll always be easy. It doesn't mean that it'll always be comfortable. And it doesn't even mean that it'll always be safe. Sometimes it requires a tremendous amount of courage. But here's the punchline. This is what I believe with my whole heart. This is what I have been seeing in ministry and in the world and in the life of the church. People aren't hungry for safety. They are hungry for meaning and encounter. They're hungry for encounter. They're hungry to know that it's possible. They're hungry to hear your story of repentance and transformation. They're hungry to hear your story of how you encountered the face of the Lord and know that he is real to you. That's what they want to hear. I'm not against smoke machines and loud music and comfortable seats and not against all of that, but it isn't the point. The point is people are coming to church because they want to be transformed. Their their spirit is longing for something greater. And I'm talking about the world outside of the church. We don't need to water it down, dumb it down, or even calm it down for them because this is what they're after. We don't need to make their their church experience safe and comfortable because that's not what they're hungry for. 
I love the story of the blind man who Jesus came and, you know, he spit on the dirt and rubbed it in his eyes and, and, and he was blind from birth and, and he was completely and totally and miraculously healed. And the Pharisees came up to him to question him because they didn't, they didn't know much about this Jesus guy and neither did this blind man for that matter. And the Pharisees said to the blind man again, what do you say about him? Because he opened your eyes and he said, he is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until, until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. And they asked him saying, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? And his parents then said, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who, or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him. He will speak for himself. And his parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, go ask him. So they passed the buck. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, give us, give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know that though I was blind, now I see. Then they said to him again, what did he do to you? Did he, how did he open your, your eyes? And he answered them, I told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciple too? <laughs> then they reviled him and said, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. And the man answered and said to him, Why, this is a marvelous thing, that you do not know where he is from. Yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. And they answered and said to him, you were completely born in sins and you are teaching us. And they cast him out. <laughs> what a powerful interchange. My wife and I were in the, in the middle of Indiana and we heard Pastor Devin, shout out to you, Pastor Devin. And he was reciting this story about the blind man. And he said, one of the most powerful things that you can say to the world who is hungry is I don't have an answer to all of your Jesus questions. But I was blind, and now I see. See, there is no response. There is no, no personal uh, uh, contradiction or answer for a personal divine encounter and transformation. Your testimony is powerful and irrefutable. See, Jesus rocked the world and he rocked the world with exactly what the world is looking for today it's no mystery there's nothing new under the sun he rocked the world with repentance through which they found freedom through transformation he never left them where they were and with encounter face to face with the living god 
It changed the world. 2,000 years later, we're still talking about this dude, this dude from Nazareth, because he exercised the power of heaven that opened the eyes, that transformed lives, and brought us into encounter, a personal relationship with the Lord. My friends, that is the target of the church. That is why we are here to be ambassadors of heaven, to carry that very message to the people, to the prodigals who need to come home. We don't need to entertain them. We don't need to water it down, dumb it down, or even calm it down. Because they want both barrels. They want the full impact of what heaven brings. And that is a lasting transformation that no one can take away. They can't take it away from me because it's my story. They can't take it away from you because it's your story. But it needs to be the target of the church. We need to bring it. We need to be authentic. We need to ask for it. If we are a leader of a church and we haven't experienced the encounter, then that's what you need to ask for. Because you can't lead someone into an encounter that you've never encountered. Make it a priority. The repentance in your own heart to bring transformation and an authentic encounter with the face of God. That's what they want. That's what they're hungry for. That's what the world is calling out for. We're in the middle of a pandemic that has shaken us to the core. And people are wanting something more. They want to know something beyond this darkness that we're living in now. And we as the church have the answer. That is the target. There is a cultural shift taking place in 2020. Can you feel it? It's craziness what's going on. And we can encounter the world, not even necessarily having all the answers. We can say, I don't have all the answers, but I was blind and now I see. I don't have all the answers, but I know a man. It's a beautiful, simple testimony. And it's what the church was created for. And it's time for the church to move in its destiny, to be the light, to arise and shine and be the light here on this earth. Thank you so much for listening to me again this week, and I can't wait to share my heart with you again next week. I covet your responses uh, and your feedback, as well as your questions. Don't forget, if I use your question on one of my podcasts, I'm going to also send you a free gift as a thank you for participating in this conversation. I never intended this to just be Dr. Johnny's opinions. This is intended to be a conversation because I covet and value what you think in your perspectives. I'm only one man. I would love to hear your perspectives. Go to gofam.org. Click on the media tab and go to the pushback site. And there will be a place that you can leave feedback for this podcast and other podcasts that you have listened to. So now let's go together to set and shape the culture. <laughs>